All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 9 of the Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. we got Michael Biebs Bondi with us. Biebs, it's our first show, uh, first Wednesday show of the year. Yeah, it's, it's something. Something new we're going to uh, to start here on the DFO Fantasy Podcast. If you missed the tweet, we're coming back with three episodes per week this year, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So, Biebs, let's get, uh, let's get your feelings on this first Wednesday podcast, and then we'll kind of explain to the listeners how things are going to work this season. No, it's exciting. We've, uh, we've kind of wanted to put out more episodes always every year um it's just we kind of ran into some some time barriers with uh with different jobs and all that throughout the the dfo squad but now with uh with me coming on full-time being being brock's uh brock's pony boy um i uh i'm able to i'm able to join him here so we, we can bring you, you two more episodes a week super exciting because now we can uh we don't really have time to dive into different size leagues usually uh different types of leagues different waiver wire pickups and uh, now we can at least lock down more segments too usually we head into shows it's like what are we going to do this week might do some um you know a little bit of legit knowledge we might do a couple waiver wires now that we can at least get some structure for you guys uh and then uh you know you can you can know when to tune in and uh and it's exciting you, you get a little bit of morning us you usually get usually get nighttime us so so here we are uh 
Yeah, that, that was what I was thinking about the most when I was getting ready this morning was just like how I'm going to be doing a podcast, drinking a coffee as opposed to a beer this time around. But a uh, little bit of a different vibe here. Uh, but yeah, that's the one thing that we're kind of trying to go for is just give you guys a little bit more structure. Uh, one episode a week was a little difficult in terms of trying to make sure that we kind of cover all the bases. But it, it, it's tough when you're when you're only doing one a week. So me and Beebs will be coming at you Monday and Wednesday mornings and then uh, Friday mornings, we will have the uh, full episode with me, Biebs, and Dylan as well. That one will be a little bit more in-depth, a little bit longer. The Monday, Wednesday shows will be a little bit shorter. So what we're going to do is Mondays, we're going to basically just recap what happened over the weekend, uh, talk kind of about the week that's ahead as well, preview the week, preview the schedule. Uh, I do a strength of schedule every week at dailyfaceoff.com. We're going to kind of break that down talk about some of the better streaming options for early in the week and, uh, and and all of that. I think Monday we'll also try to get some guests on here and there. If there's, you know, interesting news or, or different players, we need think we need to break down a little bit more in depth. We'll try to bring in some beat reporters. Uh, we might grab some, some other talent from the daily face-off world, whether it's Nick Alberga uh, or, or Matt Larkin, we'll, we'll bring in some other guys uh, to chat Mike McKenna as well. If we ever have any goalie questions. So that's the plan going forward on Mondays. Wednesdays is going to be what we call waiver wire Wednesday. We're going to take an in-depth look at the waiver wire. Um, we had people reach out to us in the past and say, Hey, you talk about a lot of guys, but they're not, none of them are available in my leagues. So with the extra episode, we'll be able to take a look at more names and dive a little bit deeper. We're still going to try to cover some of the names that we love that are, are a little bit higher owned, but we're also going to take that deeper dive. So what we're going to do on today's episode is that. We're going to break down the waiver wire. We're going to give you centers, left wings, defensemen, goalies. We're going to cover the entire roster. And we're going to talk about some of our favorite, just mention in passing, our favorite pickups that are higher owned. If And if they are still available in your league, they obviously take priority over some of the names that we're going to break down a little bit more in depth. And then the rules for the in-depth breakdowns is we have to have at least one player under 30% owned. So he should be available in quite a few leagues. And then we also have to talk about a player that is under 10% owned, which should be available in almost all leagues. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to start here with the centers. The two centers that are, are, are extremely high owned at the moment that you should be considering. The first is Maddie Berniers. We're not going to talk about them too much, but Berniers is off to a really, really nice start with the uh, Seattle Kraken so far this season. He's playing a ton of minutes. Uh, he's got a goal and three assists, four points in his first four games. He is 52% owned. So likelihood of him being available in your league are obviously pretty slim. He was a hot commodity during the draft. So, um, take a look at your waiver wire. I mean, obviously being 52% owned, there's 48% of the leagues out there where he's still available. And if he's available in one of your leagues, he certainly should be picked up playing over 17 and a half minutes a night. And then Biebs, yeah. you wrote a uh, waiver wire piece yesterday and included Nico Heischer, who's at 33% owned. Uh, he had a pretty nice night last night, picked up a goal uh, and an assist on five shots while playing 21 minutes and 43 seconds. And that's the stuff you love to see. So Nico, he's sure a lot more available than um, Maddie Berniers, but did not quite crack that 30% threshold for us. He's 33%. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of, these are two names that really stood out for me um, when I was writing that piece. Cause that's kind of, kind of how we how I approach that. It's you, you take a peek and it's what names really glare or, or stand out there as the ones that, you know, I would want on my team or ones where the numbers don't quite line up with how much personally I would have thought they would have been owned going in. Uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with them just being strictly centers. As we saw at drafts, there are a lot of centers in the league. 
with that said, though, I don't think that there's two players with quite as high upside out there on free age or out there on the free agents. Both are top three picks. He should going first overall, just, uh, just a few years ago, I say, I mean, it was quite a few years ago. Now it feels like, um, but still Nico, um, I really like this guy because his first game coming off an injury only played 17 minutes. People were a little alarmed, but you got to remember he's coming off an injury a little bit slower than everyone else. So seeing the 21 43 last night, if we're going to get anywhere close to 20 minutes from Nico, he sure, he deserves to be 80% plus owned at that point. Uh, we're looking at a guy who finished last year's second half of the season over a point per game. So I really like Nico. He sure here. I think that Jesper Bratt, our boy friend of the show, is really showing up this year. I believe he has five points through his first four games or three games that they played now. Yeah, through his first three games, he has five assists, as well as uh, Jack Hughes got got going yesterday. Got his yeah, first they, two points. They needed year, Jack so. Hughes to get going for sure, yeah. and he, he looked really really good last yeah. night. And I think Jack and Nico go hand in hand. So um, you know, it, as excited as we were for Jack Hughes, I think that we should almost be. Not not as excited for for Nico Heischer, but he's like a Walmart Jack Hughes in that sense. Uh, not not to I love Nico in, ter- in terms of fantasy value. In terms of, of fantasy value, I still think he's a phenomenal player. But yeah, but as, as far as that goes, I'm going to take Walmart Jack Hughes over you know a, uh, a dollar store or anyone else. So um, so yeah, that's my uh, that's my metaphor of the morning. There you go. Um, okay, now let's get into the guys that are under thirty percent owned. And the first one's obviously pretty obvious. Uh, you've got David Krejci who's got five points already in four games for the Bruins. He's playing over 17 minutes a night. We were obviously a little bit hesitant to make David Krejci like a super sleeper pick for us and have people reach on him in the draft because he just doesn't have that shot volume. Picking him up off the waiver wire, there's absolutely no risk involved here. But uh, through his first three games, he only had one shot each game, two shots yesterday. So um, there's still not going to be a lot of goal scoring. There's not going to be a lot of shot volume, but the assist production is certainly going to be there. Uh, playing with David Pasternak, who is, I don't know if you guys know this, but he is um, a pending UFA at the end of the season. And this man is looking to get paid and he is off to an absolute blistering start to the season. So if Krejci is going to spend an extended period of time next to David Pasternak, then that should bode very, very well for him. So still available in a lot of leagues, as I mentioned, 27% owned, um, but certainly a guy that, that warrants consideration. Um, the strict center eligibility obviously limits him a little bit, but uh, if you are lacking down the middle a little bit, I think that Krejci is a guy you should look at. Yeah, and you mentioned it right there, David Pasternak. He's up to nine points on the year. This guy's looking to reach 200 this year because he wants all the money. He's going Aaron Judge style, but hockey version. Um, no, and, uh, and you might as well take Krejci because he's going to sit there and enjoy the ride. We kind of talked about it on the last show. Krejci, surprisingly, was just under a point per game uh, the year before he retired, so he has that ability in him. I think that there's a lot of players sitting around 30% that have nowhere close to the point potential that David gives us right now. Saw another goal last night, played 18 minutes in his last two games. You love to see that on a Bruins team that, you know, if you're getting 18 minutes on the Bruins, you're likely playing with some of, with some of the, the boys you want him out there with. So, uh, in the Bruins... Pr- are just scoring like five goals a game at will right now. Easy, easy. Yeah. And they're and also, Marshawn's in not six, even so. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's what's kind of crazy. Marshawn actually skated to, I believe it was two days ago, Brock, uh, mm-hmm. you, you reported it. So uh, one step closer to getting our uh, quote unquote reach of the draft back on our team. And uh, can't wait. You know, yeah, yeah, getting I've a, on, uh, I believe it's a six-time All-Star. On our yeah, I've got him on every single one of my fantasy teams this year. <laughs> I so think if David Marchand returns, or Brad Marchand returns as a as a eighth-round pick, I'm going to be thrilled. Um, oh, I was scared I was going to have to break it to you there. I'm like, dude, if you got David Marchand, you got nothing coming back. Um, not a real player. We got player. some dude who works at, like, Zayers. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> 
So the one thing that's obviously great about doing this extra show now, we can break it down a little bit more with the positions. So yes, you might not need set, uh, help at center. And if that's the case, then you don't pick up David Krejci, but we will get to the wingers in a little bit. Uh, one player that is center eligible, but also has wing eligibility. I believe he's center right is Dylan Strom, 25% owned in Washington. Strom off to a really nice start with the Capitals. One goal, three assists, four points in his first four games. Um, only six shots on goal, but he is playing upwards of 18 and a half minutes per night. He recently got the bump to the top line with Alex Ovechkin, put up a goal and an assist in his first game there. Uh, so yeah, th- obviously playing with Alex Ovechkin is good news for somebody like Dylan Strom. Obviously a guy that played plenty with uh, Patrick Kane during his days in Chicago, had a couple nice seasons there, 50, uh, 38 points in 58 games, 48 points in 69 games. So if he, if he ends up seeing uh, an extended run here with Ovechkin, he should be um, you know, on fantasy rosters, especially with the center wing eligibility, giving you a little bit more flexibility. Kuznetsov, bit of a sluggish start there to the season, obviously got suspended as well. So we'll see how things shake out. It doesn't look like Nicholas Backstrom is, is coming back really like anytime soon, if at all this season. So Strom is going to get a run in that top six, but obviously a lot more value when he's playing on a line with Alex Ovechkin. Oh yeah. I, uh, I actually think I may have been the uh, biggest Dylan Strom supporter in the last couple of years, owning him in like every league, kind of getting burned, actually keeping him two years ago. So there's something here. Um, if we're talking about, you know, top three talent with Nico Heischer and uh, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, <laughs> we that uh, Maddie Maddie Berniers. That's David who Crazy. it was. That's who it was. See, see, early morning already forgetting. But uh, with, with Maddie Berniers and Heischer, we 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 can mention that with Strom too. Um, obviously, many consider this guy a bust at where he went in drafts, but he's still, you know, he's proven that he can put up points in the NHL. That extra right wing eligibility there makes him a lot nicer. I think he should be somewhere closer to forty to fifty percent owned. As he stays on that line, I mean, it, it, it's kind of we, we talk so much with guys who play with McDavid, guys who play with Austin Matthews, players like that. We never really mention guys who play with Alex Ovechkin because it usually doesn't switch up. But we're, we're getting to see um, that happen with obviously, as you mentioned, um, Backstrom injured for the year or for most of the year. And then Kuznetsov uh, coming in and in, in another lineup in the next couple of games. So I think Strom makes a great plug and play this week. Um, and uh, and I would kind of grab him now because if he does stick there, it'll be a lot like his brother last year in New York where you're like, shit, I wish I grabbed him weeks ago when the guy who has him is now, you know, flex them on you left and right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, the thing about me for Strom, I think you mentioned it, but only six shots on the year. Uh, it's always kind of been his, his thing. He does not get that many uh, – shots on net but when he does he does tend to to, get, to put him to put him in net at a higher higher rate than most but nonetheless i need more shots from strome but i don't think there's that many to go out when a veteran's getting you know seven to ten a night so at the same time we'll uh we'll take the assist production it's a lot like david Krejci in that sense yeah. i think you're gonna get more assists than you will goals but um but i i would expect uh, a little bit more goals from uh from strome also i think more points from Krejci, more goals from strome if that lines up yeah, I, I can agree with that completely. Um, I just, like, you, you have to try to find these guys that are playing in good situations mm-hmm. um, and, and, and playing big minutes, and that's certainly Strom right now. He's also in the top power play unit as well. Yes. So going to be going with uh, with Alex Ovechkin a lot this season, and, and the chance to pick up helpers and goals next to Ovi is always going to be prominent there. So our deep dive, our under 10% owned center and I, and honestly I'm, I'm a little surprised here because I did not think that I thought our days of talking about Sean Monaghan were over but three percent owned at the moment he's got a goal and an assist in his first four games 
with the Canadians. He has 12 shots on goal, so he's averaging three shots per game. He's playing over 18 minutes a night, almost 19 minutes, 18.43 per game. He was recently bumped up to the top line with Cole Caulfield and um, Nick Suzuki. He's playing on the wing primarily, so I believe he's only center, center eligible at the moment, but it's only a matter of time before Monaghan gains wing eligibility as well. Uh, because I believe he played the first two games on the left wing. He played the next game on the right wing. So who knows? Before long, he could have center left and right wing eligibility. So Monaghan looks rejuvenated in, 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 in Montreal, and it looks like a decent offseason pickup for them. And if he can continue to play well at just 3% owner, we're definitely going to see that ownership climb. Um, I still would prefer adding the guys we've mentioned before him. But if you're in those deeper leagues where chances – uh, of them being available are much slimmer than Monaghan looks like a pretty easy uh, pickup for me here. If you, you need help at center. And then if he gains that wing eligibility down the road, then you're uh, looking even better. So playing with Caulfield playing with Suzuki at the moment, we're also seeing him uh, get some power play one time as well. So he he's kind of just doing it all for the Canadians right now, which I'm a little bit surprised to say, but um, <laughs> yeah, Sean Monaghan, 3%. Yeah, uh, we will say we we, we had um, someone who tunes into the site who had actually thought that Sean Monahan should be way more up to the lineup um, before the year started, and we weren't too sure what to think about it, but they were very correct. Uh, Monahan looks like, you know, he – it's crazy to say this guy's 28 because it feels like he's been in the league forever. Uh, he's really not that far off of an 82-point season in 2018-19 with the Flames. He had 34 goals, 48 assists in that season. If you could get that – anywhere close to that production um, across a full year, he, he's fantasy roster worthy. Um, 34 and 48 would, would, I mean, we, we almost take guys in the second round with those, that type of production nowadays, not to say he's anywhere close to that version of himself, but when we're seeing him put up 22 minutes a night, like he did in his last game, I mean, that's such good signs. It's proving that there's something there. It's proving that he can play on both ends of the ice. And it's proving that Martin St. Louis is a big fan of him. We've seen it with Caulfield. You want to get on St. Louis good side, not to say that he even has a bad side to get on because I don't know if he does, but um, being on his good side usually leads to some production. It kind of looks like uh, Monaghan's a nice fit. So, you know, we're talking about low end guys who are in right positions. I don't think if you're, if you're looking below five, you're usually not finding anyone who's touching power play. So if you're in one of those really deep leagues and you can still get Sean Monahan, I think he makes a great, great pickup. Um, I wouldn't be rushing t- to him if I'm in, you know, a Standard 10 team league team. or anything yeah. like that. 12 team, I might look to stream him uh, here and there. Um, but yeah, these are, we, we look for trends and these are a couple of really, really positive trends. And, and you like when a guy looks like he's clicking with the two best players on a team um, in Suzuki and Caulfield. So uh, I think this is a great below 5% suggestion. Um, and uh, and yeah, Mon- I, I think we all kind of hope to see Monaghan have a little bit of a resurgence here because uh, he was kind of just thrown out of, uh, out of Calgary. Um him and all his gear and his, his old captain jerseys or his, yeah. his a, a cap jerseys. So, you know, um, yeah, good, good shout out at 3% there. I, I really, really like that one. I think the most intriguing part about Monaghan right now is the shot volume. Again, it's mm-hmm. small sample size. It's just four games, 12 shots on net. He's taken 16 shot attempts. Um, just to give you an idea, if he continues somehow at this shot volume and he's, and he shoots at his career of 13.9%, then this is a guy that could score 30 goals over the course of 82 games. The issue, I guess, you know, in the 
the one red flag is that he's only shot 8.6% over his last, um, you know, 119 games. So, yeah. you know, perhaps we're, we're being a little bit too generous here with him. Um, if he shoots 8.6%, you're looking at more like a 20 goal guy. So it, it all depends kind of if Monaghan truly returns back to form yeah. um, and can, you know, get that shot volume back up. But um, he was hurt. Like there's no doubt about it. And now he's healthy. So that's going to um, be big news for scored, Sean Monaghan this year. He scored 30 goals three times um, yeah, he in was, his he career was, so far. He so phenomenal. he has it in him. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of – there is a lot of players who score 30 goals in the NHL, but there's not a lot of players who do it consistently and have that ability. Um, and, uh, and it just shows that it's not a fluke and shows that it's somewhere in there. And at 28 years old, I think we could still see some really good years from Sean. So good scoop by the Canadians. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so cool. far so good for sure. Again, we don't yeah. want to overreact too much, but so yeah. far so good. Uh, yeah, okay. the thing about these guys too is, you know, this is waivers for this week. By next week – the guys are suggesting next week uh, you can, you can kind of shuffle them in and out depending. Uh, and if they stay hot, keep them on your team. And if not, you know, these are, these are the easy ones that you can just throw back out into the wind. So it's not, uh, you know, not, nothing too crazy here. Yeah. We're hoping obviously for some long-term value here, but hopefully, um, you know, hopefully they, you, they can stay on your team long-term. If not though, yeah, you, you know, it's waiver wire. You can drop whenever. Um, okay. Left wings. Let's go really quickly here through uh, Alexi Lafreniere, 54% owned. Um, somebody who struggled a little bit early uh, on in his career, but it's really kind of finding his stride so far this year. He's playing around 17 minutes a night, but the real encouraging thing here is the shot volume, 15 shots in four games. That shot volume is among you know the, the league leaders in terms of uh, shots per 60. He is only shooting 6.7%, but the uh, that's going to bounce back. It's only been four games. The shot volume is the real impressive thing here. Uh, last year, there's, you know, there was nothing really coming into this year suggesting that he was going to have a big year unless he started playing more and shooting more. He's done both of those things. He doesn't have a whole lot of competition for for spots on the on the depth chart there uh, outside of Vitaly Kravtsov. But if Lafrenia continues to play as well as he did, he should continue – uh, to play with Panarin and Trocek. And those two have been absolutely sensational so far this year. Uh, Panarin is leading the NHL in points at the moment. So Lafreniere being on that on that line is very good news. But 15 shots in four games, 16 minutes, 16 and a half minutes per game. Those are two things that you love to see. So Lafreniere, obviously not going to be very available in your league. He's 54% owned, but if he is, he's a must-add right now. Mason yep. Marchman in Dallas, off to a terrific start. We're seeing a bit of a resurgence from uh, Tyler Segan as well, and Mason Marchman, it, it looks great. He's got three goals, two assists, five points in his first three games with the Stars. Um, again, this is a guy that that shot at a very high clip a season ago, 14 14.9%. Um, there were some red flags entering the season. He's shooting 33.3% at the moment, which obviously is a bit of a red flag, but he's only got nine of his 17 shot attempts on goal. So there is still room for the shot volume to grow. There's room for um, if that regression does set in, obviously it's going to um, there's still room for him to score plenty of goals. So I, I think that Marchman's a decent option as well. If, if you're, uh, you know, he's also a guy that can chip in in banger leagues. And if Seagan continues to play well, then Mason Marchman looks pretty decent. He's currently at 52%. And then the last um, very obvious one is Andre Burakovsky in Seattle. He's got two goals, three assists, five points in his first four games. He's got 10 shots on goal, 15 shot attempts. Uh, he's, he's playing big minutes as well. He, I think there's actually still room for his uh, minutes to grow. So Burakovsky looks like a nice one at 44%, but let's get to somebody that we've both been talking about quite a bit. It, it's actually pretty hilarious because on the first, uh, my first daily fantasy report, 
um, on live on YouTube every day of the season. I talked about Gabe Velarde being a, a decent punt option um, in DFS because he's just a really good hockey player who's finally looks like he's getting a role. Um, and he scored a goal. I think he had a goal and an assist in his first yep. game of the season. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, look at that. That was a terrific call for DFS. People were thrilled about it. But then he just has not stopped. And his minutes have just been um, increasing seemingly every single game. So, so far, we've ha- seen Velarde score four goals in five games. He has literally four goals or goals in four of his five games. He's also added three assists. Um, so the production has been really, really solid for Velarde early on. And he just needed the opportunity to earn a larger role. So far, he's averaging over 16 minutes per game, 13 shots in five games. There obviously is some red flags here um, with the fact that he's shooting 30%. I still think that his opportunity is going to be a little bit limited in terms of where he can play in that lineup. Like Obviously, the top line seems pretty set in stone with Fiala. Uh, Kempe and Kopitar. Then you've got the second line pretty set in stone with Deneau, Moore, and Arvidsson. So I still think he's relatively capped. I don't know how much more he can play uh, unless something happens to Victor Arvidsson, which is out of the realm of possibilities. We've seen it plenty of times before. But um, I think that Velarde makes a pretty decent speculative ad at the moment just in kind of ride the ride the hot wave. And uh, who knows, maybe he continues this streak and, and ends up earning more minutes. I mean, eventually, at some point, you just have to force your way into more minutes if you keep scoring on a nightly basis. And let's not forget, as you know, as Windsor, uh, yeah, people who live in Windsor, he was terrific for the Windsor Spitfires. Uh, I remember I was fuming when the Red Wings passed with him in the draft. Injuries really slowed him down, but this was a very highly touted prospect. I believe he went 11th overall, which was much later than anybody anticipated. And I think he missed the, almost the whole year yeah, um, he, before that, had, too. I think he had a neck in, injury, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. He, he battled a bunch of different injuries um, since being drafted, and, and now he's kind of healthy and, and, and putting it all together, kind of what we, we expected to see from a, a potential top 10 pick back then. Yeah, I think I, I like him a little bit more, too, because I found out this week that his billet while in Windsor was one of my high school teachers. So a little bit of a connection there between me and Gabe. Other than that, <laughs> though, no, this guy is just uh, – he's showing up. And if you watch the Kings games, he's, he makes those plays that are just – like, you're like, who was that? I, the first game I was watching, I was like, that has to be Byfield, right? You know, the flashy prospect. But, no, it's it's Gabe Bellardi, like you said, first-round pick. Uh, he has that talent, and he, he he's forcing his way into this lineup. We're seeing his his own percentage fly up. He was actually at 11% when I wrote my article yesterday. He's now at 22% today, so he's almost doubled, and that's after a night where, as you mentioned, two points last night. Um, the one goal was a power play goal, so if he can prove that you know he's going to be a guy who can be an effective asset on that power play, I don't really care where he shows up in this lineup. At the moment, he's on that third line. So kind of when I think people look at, at, at you know, picking up, they're like, I, I don't, I don't want that. But yeah, no, I, I love anyone who touches a top power play. And, uh, and I think with the upside here and um, you know, it's, it's someone who the Kings have always kind of looked for wingers and they, they've never really had, you know, Dustin Brown is gone. There goes the guy who we always could just plug in their top six, no matter what. So I, uh, I really like Gabe Blair. He plays a plays a little bit of edge in his game, and uh, and I think he can he can be a guy who we could be talking about at you know sixteen minutes a night. But even if it is sixteen minutes, as long as two of those are on the power play. I'm okay with having uh, Valerity around. So I think he makes a really nice ad right now, left wing, right wing eligibility. So you can kind of get plugged in your lineup any day. 
um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan here. Uh, I think the theme right now of a lot of, a lot of these pickups is um, high end prospects that are kind of just coming around their own or just more getting the ice time that, that, that we thought that they should have had years ago. So um, here we are. Yeah. The top power play usage is certainly a uh, provides a glimmer of hope, even if his ice time continues to hover around 15, 16 minutes a night. So uh, just a terrific shot, terrific release as well. He should be a guy that continues to he, score goals. So he, uh, he does also have the league leader in defensive goals, uh, Matt Roy on his team. So uh, that obviously helps a ton. That's uh, just a little crazy fun fact for you as we're four games into the year. Yeah, those outliers are always hilarious earlier in the year. Um, okay, under 10% owned, we're going to go with Dominic Kubelik from Detroit, 3% owned. Kubelik is currently playing on the Red Wings top line with Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond because Tyler Bertuzzi is out four to six weeks. So Kubelik is a player that we've seen score 30 goals in his rookie season, uh, only 32 goals over the last two years combined. But um, certainly has 30 goal pop in him. He only played 68 games in that rookie year as well. Uh, obviously not playing with Patrick Kane anymore, but we've got, uh, you know, a pretty good line there with Raymond and Larkin. He's got a goal and two assists in his first three games in Detroit. Uh, the minutes weren't really there in the first two games, only playing 11 and 12 minutes. But then as soon as Bertuzzi got hurt, Jakob Verona also for personal reasons right now. Um, we saw Kubali play 19 minutes in his uh, debut on that top line, picking up two assists and three shots on goal. So you can basically throw the first two games away. Just look at that third game, two assists, three shots, 19 minutes. And that is what you can expect most likely from Kubelik moving forward. The Red Wings team is a team that looks, you know, much better this year. They look like they're a team that's going to compete night in and night out, score plenty of goals. And, uh, you know, Larkin's also looking to get paid this offseason. It's not just David Pasternak. And we still expect Lucas Raymond to to explode here in the near future. So I, I think Kubelik is a nice add as well. Again, another theme of players kind of moving up and down uh, the lineups here. The Red Wings did shake up their power play units. So they kind of have two, like, 1A, 1B unit. Um, and Kubelik's also on a power play unit with, with Dylan Larkin and noted power play stud David Perron. So uh, I, I think that there's a lot of room here for Kubelik to um, – you know, flourish with this new role and at just 3% own, he's available in almost every single league. So if you're looking for left wing help, uh, Kubelik would be a guy to go to. I, I believe he also has right wing eligibility. Yes, he does. Yep, so he does. Um, yep. lots of like here, if you're in deeper leagues. Yeah. And one positive, you know, he's not going to get moved out of the top six because he can't be put on the third line due to the fact that he's not six, six or whatever it is that you need to designation to get on that line. And they're not going to fourth line one of their free agents that they picked up. Uh, and spent some money on this year. So uh, I was actually kind of mind blown seeing that 3%. I thought with the news of Bertuzzi, usually people try to jump over all over whoever's going to replace a player like that and a, a 60 point guy. And, uh, and I think, I think Kublik's a great one. Uh, you mentioned it there, seven minute jump between his last two games that, uh, that allowed him to, you know, get three shots on goal instead of one stuff like that um we love time on ice and uh and i really can't add that much more you are our red wing guy so you you killed it on dom i think i think kublik is way too under owned at three percent if he's going to be on this line for four to six weeks you can basically plug him in your lineup for four to six weeks um and kind of see where it goes and 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 if it does work out the red wings realistically can just put bertuzzi on their second line so um, yeah, and he's he's out for four to six weeks, so it's gonna it's gonna be an extended run here for Kubelik, and, yeah. and that's obviously good news there. That's, um, that's six fantasy wins. Yeah, Alex Tuck, right wing, is a guy that should be looked at right now. Fifty seven percent owned, had a nice night last night mm-hmm. um, for the Sabers. He's back on the top line. 
with Tage Thompson. So uh, he's somebody that's worth a look at right wing. If you, you know, obviously are not in that deep of a league. Um, I still think Ricard Raquel is a nice look at 41%. If uh, he continues to scale that top line with Crosby and Gensel didn't really get anything going the other night, but um, certainly somebody that should be considered if you need help at right wing. Um, and then, yeah, under 30% on, we really like Oliver Bjorkstrand, 28% on. We talked about how him earlier, you know, in the season already, and we're going to bring him back up again here. Goal and an assist in his first four games, but his 18 shots on goal really stands out. 30 shot attempts, which is outrageous, uh, through three games. And he's playing over 19 minutes a night. This is a guy that averaged uh, 15 minutes a night during his time with the Blue Jackets. So playing 19 minutes in Seattle is humongous. And the 30 shot attempts, 18 shots on goal, that's the shit we like to see on the DFO Fantasy Podcast. So mm-hmm. 28% owned. He's still out there. And if he's going to be shooting, you know, four, five, six times a game, uh, he's going to put up points. He's going to score goals this year. He's currently shooting 5.6%. Again, extrapolation game is always fun. He's currently averaging 4.5 shots per game. If he manages to somehow continue that throughout the entire course of the season, that would put him on pace for 369 shots. He has shot 11.9% in his career. That would put him on pace for 44 goals. I don't think it's going to be sustainable. I don't think he's going to shoot 4.5 times per game, but that's what we have to go on right now. Those are the numbers he's producing at the moment. And if he, if he tops 300 shots, which seems likely at his current rate, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be a factor this year. And I think that you're going to regret not adding him sooner if you if you don't get him now. Um, I also think, like, if people have recently added him, I think that maybe he's still kind of a buy low candidate. He's still just 27% owned. I think that I, I would be going out and trying to actively acquire all of a York strand at this moment in time. Yeah, you mentioned it. We love the shots. Um, anyone anyone who proves that they are willing to pull that trigger that often um, is going to bode well for us. He kind of feels almost like, I don't know, I don't want to say previous seasons like Nino Niederreiter because it kind of backfired on us, but it, it, it's kind of like that. Someone who's getting – actually, not really, because we are always pushing for more minutes for Nino, and yeah. New York Strand gets those minutes. But as far as the shot production goes, um, we'll say a Kevin Fiala. Um, kind of like that. It's like it's like a weaker Kevin Fiala. But no, I've, I've been high on Bjork Strand since they brought him in and he kind of snuck him under everyone's nose because the reason they got him is because Columbus needed Johnny Goudreau. So um, they basically threw away a 30-30 guy, said, Seattle, you can have him for nothing. And uh, and I think we're seeing a little bit of, of what he's capable of with these. I mean, he had the top line minutes last year, but he's, he's getting it again and he's got some good talent around him here. Uh, we already talked about Baneers. Yeah, I, I like Bjork Strain. He's probably not my favorite name on this list, but at the same time, he he, he is one of my favorite targets within the twenty five or thirty percent down range. Um, I've kind of kind of been trying to jump on him all year, and uh, and I don't think, like you said, he'll be there much longer if Seattle continues to prove that they're a team that can score nightly. Yeah, uh, Bjork Strain's current uh, shot volume, shots per sixty, is right around that of Alexi Lafreniere, who is uh, about thirty percent higher. It's right behind players like William Nylander. Uh, Vlad Tarasenko, Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon, Steven Stamkos, Patrick Laine, DeBrincat, Robertson, Zibanejad. Like it's it's up there with the, the elites of the elites right now. The shot volume is, is incredible, and when you're when you're that high on the shots per sixty list, but you're also playing nineteen minutes a night, the volume is going to be um, incredible. So good news for Bjorkstrand. If you're looking for another shot volume machine, Oliver Wallstrom in 
um, on, on Long Island, or are they in Brooklyn? I don't even know where they play anymore, to be honest with you. But I actually uh, looked it up the other night, and uh, Brooklyn, I believe, is what I found. Um, you, you looked it up? All right, now we have to do Islanders. But I mean, I looked it up doesn't mean I got it correct, but but for my morning report, I did, I did the same thing. I, I wrote back in Long Island, whatever, and I was like, shit. They're man. in Belmont Park, so we were both wrong. But that's all right. I think, that is that Brooklyn? No. I'm not really sure. It's directly know. adjacent to the New York city limits. So it says, so oh, um, our, uh, I don't I don't, it is I'm under. not from New York whatsoever. Our New so York I, geography sucks. Yeah, it's, it, it's not great. We'll um, have to do a DFO takes New York trip. You know what? I, I, could be, I would be down for that. I would go to, I would go to New York and, and, and watch an Islanders game. Absolutely. Sure. Get a Rangers game in while we're at it. I'm just trying to, I'm still trying to figure out where this place is. Yes. Yeah, so any, if any listeners of the show want to, you know, any any Islander fan want to give us a, an exact thing that we can reference uh, location? Then uh, yeah, for future shows we won't muff this one. Realistically, we re- we only know Windsor, Ontario. That's it. We're we're limited to that. So it's not Brooklyn confirmed. It's not Brooklyn. Okay, okay. that no is confirmed. Re- no one. It's cer- and it's certainly not. It is certainly not Manhattan. So we know they aren't the Rangers, and we know they're not in Brooklyn anymore. So it's we've confirmed the it. The deep dive on the New York Islanders arena is complete. But Oliver Wallstrom is a guy that struggled to get into the lineup uh, during his time uh, under Barry Trotz. He maybe was a healthy scratch, maybe was slightly banged up to start the season. He didn't play their first game, but he's played their last two. And all he's done is score three goals with one assist and eight shots on goal. He has shot 37.5%, so obviously not sustainable. But the shot volume is really what you want to see here. Um, The first game he barely played. He only played nine minutes. Last night he played 14 minutes. So the minutes still need to go up, but he is currently the NHL's leader in shots per 60. And if he continues that, he has an absolutely lethal shot. So he just needs an opportunity. And there is, I think, maybe not a team in the league where you could envision him climbing the depth chart more easily. Like this is a team that has routinely shuffled their top nine wingers around. Uh, Beauvillier can play anywhere from the first to the third line. Palmieri can play anywhere from the first to the third line. Parise anywhere from the first to the third line. So Wallstrom certainly has the ability to move up this lineup and earn himself more minutes. It's just whether or not the, the coaching staff is willing to do that with him because we've seen, you know, they've been reluctant to do that in the past. And uh, hopefully for his sake, he, he moves up. And I think that if you want to take a flyer on a guy under 10% owned at right wing, I think that Wallstrom's a pretty good grab. I, I still prefer Kubli just because you know his role is mm-hmm. big, but Wallstrom's shot volume is, is insane, and his shot is insane. So if he gets that increased opportunity, he could blow up. Uh, I really like Wallstrom as a player much more than the Islanders seem to. Yeah, and he falls right into that category again of former first-round picks um, who are, who are kind of – breaking out it seems um this is a guy who's who's played just below 24 minutes in two games which is really nothing and and if you want to talk about it four points in 24 minutes that's quite good production throw in eight shots across that 20 those 24 minutes this guy plays an hour he's gonna you know he's gonna be in double digit points with 22 shots on net um but uh um because clearly he's gonna sustain this pace but no wallstrom uh like you said, there's some better names out out there, um, but it's certainly someone who I don't think anyone's really looking at on the wire yet, um, or some people are. But but you could you could probably wait a few games if he does. You know, if he has another multi point effort, he's gonna do a Gabe Velarde and, and more than double up his uh, his own percentage. But um, someone who's just waiting to get 
in any better position to get points. And if you're putting up four points, well, you know, playing, playing bottom six minutes and still getting six shots on net, there is definitely some room to grow. Um, and if he grows, he is going to, I'm, I don't even know where, where this could go, but maybe Matt Barzell could finally have someone around him who can score. That would be nice. Uh, I think he's worth an ad in deeper leagues right now, because if you look at the weekend ahead here, Thursday, they're against the Devils, Saturday against the Lightning, and uh, Sunday against the the Panthers. So uh, three games remaining this week. I'm not sure there's another team in the league. Uh, Sorry, the Blue Jackets actually have three more games this week. And by my quick count, so do the Sharks. So a few and far between in terms of three games remaining this week. Obviously, they do play Saturday, which is a busy night, but you could certainly get a couple games potentially out of Wallstrom with three more games this week. And uh, and then heading into next week, I believe they have three. So could be a decent add just in the short term and see where it goes. And then if it, if it goes well, then obviously he could be somebody that could stick around on your roster. Yeah, and um, quick thinking across those teams, he's probably the best under 20% that you can grab off any of those three teams, so. Yeah, Blue Jackets, you could maybe make an argument about like uh, Gus Nyquist if he's still playing on the Johnny Gaudreau line. Um, yeah, yeah, and it was Nyquist the other night. Like, I'm only playing the guy that's on that, that Gaudreau oh, line. Absolutely. So, like, I'm not, I'm not touching anybody else on that team right now. Um, okay, defenseman. Right now, Brandon Montour is injured. He's 18% owned, but Aaron Ekblad was hurt the other night. There are rumblings that he is dealing with a groin strain. And as we are live right now, um, Cap Friendly is reporting that he has been added to long-term IR, which Uh. means that Ekblad will miss at least 10 games. Uh, If it is a groin strain, which is being reported, uh, grade two groin strain, it has a recovery time of four to six weeks, roughly. So that would add up that he would miss this, you know, about 10 to, to 15 games, which is brutal news for the Panthers, brutal news for Ekblad, who just cannot stay healthy. Um, but before Montour was injured, um, he was playing on the top power play unit with Ekblad. So I would imagine that once Montour is back, he will be on that top power play unit. The Panthers have come out and said that Montour's injury is not long-term. So good. Tonight, it looks like they're going to be going with five forwards on the top power play unit, which leads me to believe that Gustav Forsling is not going to be the guy that takes that role. Um, And it will be Montour to be on that top power play unit once he is back healthy. He had a very good start to the season. You got to remember that this is a brand new coaching staff in Florida, and they seem to want to be giving Montour a bigger role. And there is really no room for a larger role than when Aaron Ekblad is out of the lineup. Montour had one goal on four shots in his first two games of the season. He played over 23 minutes a night though, which is a huge jump from the seven, um, you know, just under 18 minutes he played uh, in Florida last season. So if he's the guy that takes over that top power play, then Montour could be a beast moving forward. And just reading the tea leaves, it certainly seems like that will be his gig with, with them going to five forwards tonight. When he comes back, I would imagine he'll slot in since he was on that top unit before. So I really like Montour. I think you could take a shot um, on a Gustav Forsling as well because you're going to see Forsling play like 27 minutes. Uh, like his usage is going to be through the roof. And he, he is loves 50, to shoot. He's 55% owned. So like chances of him being... Uh, available are pretty slim. He was already playing 25 minutes next to Ekblad. He's probably going to play even more now. He, as you mentioned, he has uh, 10 shots on goal already too. So um, I like Forsling a lot, but I do think that Montour uh, is going to be the guy to be on that top power play unit when he gets back. 
So it, it's a little bit interesting to recommend picking up an injured guy. Um, but even if you have maybe an IR plus spot, you can pick him up, stash him there, pick somebody else up in the meantime, and then when he gets back, uh, you'll be fine. But yeah, it doesn't sound like Ekblad or uh, Montour is expected to be out too long, and it does sound like Ekblad could miss uh, at least a month. Yeah, not to put you on the spot either, Brock, but we actually just got a Twitter question three minutes ago from Sean Moore on Twitter, which thank you guys, send them anytime. And he said, should I roster Montour or, Montour or Forsling? So personally, where would you rather go with that? I, I know you did mention that um, Forsling's quite more owned, but um, say you had the, the option of both, which would you rather? I think I would probably go Forsling still, um, just because I think like he has the, well, one, he's healthy, um, but two, he just has the ability to play such a huge role now, playing 27 minutes. And as you mentioned, he's a guy that is not afraid to get the puck on net. He had 145 shots in 71 games last year while only playing 21 minutes. So if you bump that up to 26 minutes a night, he's a guy that, uh, that could play, you know, quite a bit this season and get a ton of shots. So I still think I would lean Forsling. There's always a chance where he does take that top power play unit as well. Uh, where Montour, I think just has greater downside. So if I had to pick between the two, I would still lean Forsling in the moment um, in a vacuum here. Yeah, no, I, uh, I got to agree with you on that one, but um, I think if you know, if you get the fallback Montour, it is not bad either. No, no, uh, not a bad, uh, not a bad option. I think the main thing we're learning from this is, Aaron Eckblad needs to needs to stay healthy for one of these seasons. This hurts us every year. We want to keep this guy in our top ten D rankings, but uh, you know, super super bad luck for the uh, the the Windsor alert. Yeah, um, as we mentioned too in this segment, as Montour is also one. Yes, and Gabe Velarde. It's an all Windsor episode here yeah. of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. But the other one that we want to talk about is Kalen Addison. I talked about him quite a bit Great at the start of the that. season. Um, because he was going to be playing on that top power play unit. I mentioned you need to be picking him up. I mentioned you need to be drafting him as your number four defenseman. And so far, so good for Kalen Addison. He's even playing more than I anticipated at 5v5. He's playing 18 minutes a night right now, almost 19. He has four assists in three games. The shot volume still leaves a little bit to be desired, only five shots on goal. But he does have 12 shot attempts. So if he gets a couple more on net, we can see that shot volume increase. I don't know if he's going to be a massive source of goals, but if you are somebody who just lost Aaron Ekblad, Kalen Addison deserves a pickup immediately. So um, 15% owned for, for Addison and on that top power play unit with Kirill Kaprizov and the boys in Minnesota is, is a really, really nice spot for him. So Addison would be a perfect replacement right now uh, for Aaron Ekblad if you've lost Aaron Ekblad for yeah. the next month or so. And actually encouraging signs, you mentioned that the shot rates are, or that the shooting's kind of down. If we take out his last game, he actually hadn't had a shot on net yet so um addison got five in his last effort um that included a three assist game so that's when people started to jump back on the addison train um i think he is proving obviously that, he, that he's going to be useful in that power play and while we might watch minnesota give up seven goals every single night as we have so far this year um doesn't matter towards fantasy production um he is going to be a big anchor as he's showing with his uh with his minus five plus minus rating through the first couple of games, but that's gonna happen uh as I mentioned when you give up. I think it's been twenty goals now through three starts for Minnesota. Um I, I like you said, the ice time's a little bit higher than we expected at this point in the year. I grabbed him personally in the keeper league and I, I, I think he makes a nice pickup. He he's clearly the quarterback back there um on the power play when he when he does play. So if he can stay there, he's good. If he falls off that power play, you want nothing to do with him. But I also think if he falls off that power play, he might not be on their wild roster. 
that long. So um, while he's there, as you mentioned, makes a great replacement. There's not many out there for Ekblad. And while there might be some D-man like Matt Roy, who I already mentioned, who have smokescreen stats, um, I would much rather have someone like Callan Addison um, on my back end, as, as I think, you know, that, that power play is, is just absolutely electric. Yeah, and uh, you don't really care if they're giving up five goals a game as long yeah, as they're trying to keep pace. And uh, <laughs> and you've got Kalen Asin chipping in on the blue line to uh, to score some goals as well. That would be beneficial. But yeah, he, he's really interesting. His own percentage is going to continue to climb, so make sure you get in on it before if you fail to get in on it at the start of the season when we were screaming his name from the rooftops. Um, okay, talk about a couple goalies here. And we're digging really deep here for your goalies, just trying to find you guys some help because goalies are obviously going to be fairly high owned across the board. So a couple of names that could help you and, and earn themselves, maybe larger roles or, or earn themselves um, at least, you know, a start per week and, and help you win uh, some goalie categories. If maybe you're looking for that third goalie. Um, and the first one's Dan Vladar, 7% owned for the Calgary Flames. We saw him surprisingly start against the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday and earned the victory. And Daryl Sutter came out and said that, there's a lot of hockey to be played. The season is very long and they're going to be trying to give Ladar at least one start per week. So if you can get one start per week out of a team that looks like a, a juggernaut to start the season undefeated, uh, they're going to be very good. Then Ladar is a guy that you can plug in once a week and, and most likely get a W out of him. So uh, I like, we're, we're trying to talk to the teams that are, are desperate between the pipes right now and just kind of grasping at straws and looking for anything. The other thing is, Markstrom did settle in last night, but he gave up a really weak goal to open the game. He doesn't look that great to start the season. So right now it's one start per, per week, but could Vladar's, um, you know, usage grow throughout the season? I think it's, you know, perhaps, but even if he's starting one game per week, that's still 33% of the, of the starts. And if he sees a couple extra here and there, it could be closer to a, a, a 60, 40 split, which would be good news for a guy that's only 7% owned. Additionally, I think Philip Gustafson at 3% owned is relatively interesting as well. His start to the season hasn't gone great, but um, Marc-Andre Fleury's has gone worse. Um, <laughs> Gustafson, 5.06 goals against average, 860 save percentage isn't very good. But it's better than Marc-Andre Fleury's like 775 save percentage. So Gustafson could carve himself out a little bit of a larger role if he starts to play a little bit better. Um, in his defense, his only start, well, he doesn't really have any defense in front of him. <laughs> um, no, but in his only start, <laughs> nice. he, faced, he faced the Colorado Avalanche. So I, I don't know if we could really um, carve him up too much for that. He did still make 32 stops in that game. So I don't love Gustafson, but if you are desperate and you are looking on the wire for somebody that could carve out a larger role, Gustafson seems to be that guy given Marc-Andre Fleury's early season struggles. And just to point out, the, the goal production uh, or the goals against is, is alarming, but so far through what has it been three, four games for the wild, they still write grayed out in the middle of the pack in terms of expected goals against. So the defense isn't quite as bad as it may seem. It's really just been a goaltending issue. And if either goaltender can, can kind of grab it by the reins here, um, then you're looking at, at, at some nice fantasy value. Cause that's still a good hockey club. They're going to get it figured out. Um, I would even argue that Mark Andre Fleury is a pretty decent buy low candidate at the moment because I, I don't think it's you know it can't get much worse. It hasn't looked good, but the Wild are a good team. They're going to get it figured out, 
It's so early in the season. I wouldn't be afraid to, to pull the trigger on a Marc-Andre Fleury trade right now because I really don't think it's going to cost you very much uh, to acquire him. And he could, you know, certainly turn things around pretty quickly. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, like you said, at this point in the year, you're, it's kind of tough. You're kind of kind of guessing who could take time. So I agree with both these names here. Um, we're kind of, we're kind of, you know, you never, you never hope for one starter to struggle, but if they are going to, I think these are two guys who could really help your team. Um, yeah, no, those are some good names. Some good. I think, I think we gave. Uh, we're digging deep. Like obviously, yeah. there's guys like James Reimer out there still, who's a who's a good goalie around 30 percent of them. Just has a bad team in front of them. Um, you know, Carter Hart. Let's just talk about Carter Hart. Oh, Carter Hart is going crazy this year. I he's think he's really outstanding. He's up to sixty seven percent on, but he he looks good. Does he not apply though as partially a sell high candidate? I, I wanted to mention that. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think I would certainly be trying to sell him high. I don't know how long the Flyers can sustain this, but you know, maybe John Tortorella is just uh, the best coach in the world, and he's figured it out. But yeah. you know, I, I think that. It, if you can sell high on Carter Hart right now, I would be looking to do so. Um, I would even argue I would maybe rather have Marc-Andre Fleury rest of season than Carter Hart. And if you could make that swap, I, I don't think that's the worst idea in the world. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury obviously has to get it figured out. I think you could probably acquire him for less at the moment. Uh, so I'm not suggesting you should make that trade. But um, if you could sell high for Carter Hart and get – you know, package him and maybe get like somebody who's struggling, like UC Soros, uh, mm-hmm. perhaps um, something like that. You know, maybe even Thatcher Demko, yeah. goalies that are, are much better uh, long-term options that are struggling to start the season. Then I think, yeah, selling high on Carter Hart's not a bad idea at all right now. Yeah, I think Thatcher Demko is the one that kind of stands out to me that I think you could pull off almost a one-for-one for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, as we know in fantasy sports, are very, uh, what have you done lately, and and are very quick to react. So if you can, I know some people pulling off trades before the season even started because a guy was having a bad preseason. So if you can run into some dudes like that who are, or some, some fantasy players like that who, you know, you can swindle a little bit right now. I, th- I think it makes a he makes a great option. And don't don't forget to mention that he was once, you know, one of the top goal tending prospects in hockey. Still young. Flyers could be good. <clears throat> wow, I am just pulling the bullshit out here. <laughs> but no, they are all things that made me draft him in a keeper league this, this year. And I felt terrible because I told someone to drop him. And then I just went on and drafted him. And now he's going crazy. But, you know. Carter, it's uh, it's good to see a bounce back from him. Uh, but no, he can't stop forty shots a night and keep allowing only two goals. Yeah, so it's worth pointing out. Vancouver currently sits thirteenth in the NHL and expected goals against per sixty, so they're playing fairly good in front of him. Just need Demko to turn things around. Meanwhile, the Flyers are twenty fifth in the NHL and expected goals against per sixty. So Carter Hart absolutely standing on his head, but it doesn't appear like something that is very sustainable. So yeah, if you want to pull a, a Hart for Demko, one for one. I think that that would probably be uh, a half-decent move moving forward. Uh, some of the other teams that rank near the top and expected goals against so far, uh, it's only been a couple games, but Carolina looks really good as expected. So Frederick Anderson, Auntie Ronta are going to be strong throughout the season. And then you got the Flames grading out uh, number three. And uh, obviously Vladar would, would factor in pretty nicely there if he gets some starts. But the Toronto Maple Leafs currently fourth on the list despite a, a kind of Ugly start for them, but Ilya Samsonov, if still available on your waiver wire, which I believe he's like 90% on, so it's mm-hmm. unlikely. Uh, 83%. If he's still available, Chalgren lost to the Coyotes. This is 
Samsonov's team moving forward, if he's somehow still available on your waiver wire, which I highly doubt, go out and grab him because the Leafs are still a very good hockey club, and I still think Samsonov could have a very nice couple months here. Would while, you do uh, Carter or Samsonov if I were to offer you that right now? I would rather have Samsonov. Yeah, you and me both. So that is going to do it for today's bonus episode. Not really bonus, though, because we we're going to bring oh, these standard. every single week. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We actually went a lot longer than we expected. Yeah. Call us crazy. That's not uh, really all that surprising. Yeah. We do that every every week, basically. So I will um, say, too, we are, we're dealing with new mics. Um, we're dealing with new ring lights and all new things uh, for our weekday studio. So we're going to keep doing little, little touch-ups here to kind of figure out everything. Um, so... You know, if you guys have any suggestions or anything, feel free to shoot us, shoot them over to us uh, on Twitter or anything, anything like that. But yeah. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in for season eight, episode nine of the Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. For Michael Bees Bondi, who is next to me virtually, and Dylan D. Berthy, who is not here. We will guys, we'll see you guys back here on Friday. Daytime. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.